Welcome to another episode of The Russian Sisters. I'm Alexandra. And I'm Anna, and we are The Russian Sisters. Hello, everyone. How are we doing? Hi. Hi. So awesome to be back for another episode. Absolutely. It's good to be here. Welcome back, everybody. I think we have a pretty fun show for you, for you today. I would say so. We got a good lineup for today. I got a little distracted because there was a pop-up on my screen and I got nervous. Oh, yeah. We may have lost audio of one of our shows. I know. It happens again because I click the wrong thing. I'm learning the technology. Yeah. And thank you for doing that because I don't know the first thing. Because even though we recorded this episode already and you will never hear that version, you're going to hear this version and it's going to be amazing. Funnier. It is because it'll be the second time around. Yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, Alexandra, <laughs> why don't we just dive right into the- Dive or delve. Delve. Well, right. Because I said delve the first time around. I like delving and diving into the adventures of Alexandra and Buddy. Yeah, let's do it. So yeah. Buddy and I have had a lot going on these last few weeks. He ended up having to have some surgery and just to back up, when he was born, he really struggled with breathing. And I kept going to the pediatrician, not anything like asthma or anything with his lungs, but it just always seemed like his nose was clogged. He couldn't breathe through his nose. And a fun fact about babies, that they are obligate nose breathers. Obligate. Mm-hmm. Tell me what that means. Yeah. So they just aren't, they're naturally supposed to breathe through their nose. And he's oh. always struggled with that. Yes. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually pediatricians will ask about snoring. They'll ask about sleep apnea. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. So I was always told, yeah, he's fine. He's a Colorado baby. He's fine. Literally, I'd have to sleep on the couch sometimes when he was just born, holding him upright mm. so that he could breathe and get breathe. enough air. Yeah. The wedges under his mattress in, in his crib never worked. So mm. Yeah. So finally, two and a half years later, had to fight my way through the pediatrician to get an ear, nose and throat referral, mm-hmm. ENT. And it's been great because he had to do a CT scan and I'll get to that whole story in a second. But basically what we found was he indeed needed to have an adenoidectomy. Adenoid. No, adenoid. Adenoid. No, no it's not sophomore. It's Aden- sophomore. Adenai. Adenai. That's that's not be disrespectful. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Adenoid. We want our ratings to to go up, not down, <laughs> not the other way. So I had to even fight to get a CT scan. I had some friends who came to me. Well, they didn't actually come to me. I was meeting with them, and they were saying, <laughs> "Why don't you try and move move everything quickly or quickly or quicker?" Clear. Mm-hmm. Mm. No. We like to make words up. I don't even know. Adenoidectomy. Obligate. <laughs> Whatever. Quicker. Where's your, your where's your I'm correcting your grammar t-shirt? Oh, yeah. At home in my dresser. So anyway, so my friends were just encouraging me to try and move everything up and do it quicker and not wait for the summer or for spring break. So I go into, I I have Schmeiser for my insurance and they're like, oh, the referral's in for the CT scan. They just had to make sure that there wasn't anything structurally going on more than what they were expecting. So I'm like, okay. So I call Children's Hospital because at the time we needed to go through them and they're like, yeah, no, we don't have the orders. Hmm. And I said, well, how do I find the orders? Because Schmeiser says they sent the orders. And they go, well, we, it would come to us and we don't have it. So go back to Schmeiser. So I go back to Schmeiser and they're like, yeah, we sent the order. Now She's making eyes at you even though you can't see her. That's what the pauses are for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's literally like that's how I was on the phone. Mm-hmm. Long pauses. Yeah. 
Okay. So then we move on. Going back and forth. This took about two hours of calling Schmeiser and Children's and going back and forth. And I told Children's, I said, this order has gone to a vortex in your hospital. And I'd like to know who is in charge of the vortex. The vortex, like swimming down, floating down a toilet into nowhere. Yeah, like someone yeah. pushed a button on their keyboard and it went somewhere. <laughs> you know, like not in where it needed hackers. To go. Remember hackers? Remember that movie where it like shows it going through all the wires? It got clogged somewhere mm-hmm. in a wire. And the guy was like, oh, yeah, it's probably sitting somewhere, but there's no one in charge of it because it comes directly to me. And I was like, clearly not because you don't have it. <laughs> but anyway, took two hours. That was on a Friday. Got the CT scan scheduled for a Monday. He did phenomenally. It was so cute. And they gave him a little toy dinosaur. Rars, two little buttons to rar. And then I'm like, great. How do we schedule surgery? This is the funny part with the whole scheduling surgery is that the people at Children's said, hey, the results from the CT scan will be available in 24 hours. Just go ahead and email your doctor just to remind him to give you the results. So I email them and I say, hey, buddy had a CT scan. I was told to email you. So I'm emailing you. And I get a response saying, it takes two to three weeks for sleep study results to come back. <laughs> and, I, and I'm going, oh my gosh, do they have the wrong patient? Because you hear about patient mix-ups mm-hmm. all the time. So I responded and I said, I was under the impression this CT scan mm-hmm. was to determine any structural issues. I was not aware this was attached to a sleep study. And then they responded like, oh, we've scheduled you for an appointment with the doctor at this time on this day. And I was like, well, wait a second. How do you, how do you even know if that's going to work for me? But I have to make it work because my kid needs surgery. Anywho, surgery was scheduled. It went really well. He did phenomenally. There's this thing called anesthesia delirium. Mm. I think that's what it's called. It's something delirium that happens to kids, toddlers, little kids when they have anesthesia. And it's basically... Like they become a squid with all these arms flailing Aww. and they have no idea where they are and they, they're not around anything familiar. No smells are familiar, nothing. And so he like didn't have his eyes open. He was still super doped up on the anesthesia, but was just inconsolable, out of control, arms flailing. And then, of course, the post-op nurse wants to give me all the post-op directions so she's like trying to take out his IV as he's flailing. And I'm like, really, this is the time that you want to. And I, it took me a moment to realize that we were in the PACU and it was general surgery. So it was just a surgery center and it was outpatient. So they have people, they have adults, they have kids. So it's not like the PACU nurses are specifically ENT nurses. Mm-hmm. So she's just going over the general instructions. I'm sitting here like rocking with him like, it's okay, buddy. Mom is here, hear my voice. I'm going to sing to you. Hey, PCs. And she's like, so by the way, you're going to put ice on his neck every two hours. And I'm like, ice on his neck? Why? Okay. Didn't adenoids, I thought were higher up, but okay. <laughs> and she's like, Mishy Foods. And it's going to take about six weeks. And you have to call the doctor to get clearance for daycare. And I'm like, what? The doctor just told me he can eat whatever he wants that just go off of his own recovery. And she's reading everything verbatim. 
And she's like giving me the worst case scenario, which I appreciate. I'm always looking for like, what is the worst case scenario? When mm-hmm. do I need to call 911 and all this? And I'm like, I don't understand. And he's flailing. I'm rocking and singing while she's giving me these instructions. And then at one point she's trying to jam applesauce at me or in like a straw, which afterwards I took the ice pack and the applesauce. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's probably $50 right there and a hundred dollars just for her walking across the room to give them to me. But okay, whatever. And that's what we need right now. Right. And then I feel like they're trying to rush us out the door and I'm like, can we sit here for a few minutes? Like he is. So then of course I'm told by the anesthesiologist with this delirium, like, Hey, everyone's going to think he's in pain. They're going to want to give him more pain meds. Don't. He just has to work through it. The pain meds will make it worse. And the PACU nurse was like, I just gave him some oxycodone. (laughs) What? It's a big drug for a little kid. Well, and then I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how am I supposed to handle this delirium at home? He ended up being fine. And it turned out that the PACU nurse was giving me post-op instructions for a tonsillectomy. For something that he didn't have. He didn't have that. Nope, nope. I mean, it's something I have to monitor. I was told his tonsils are a little large, but that he's way too young to, to do a tonsillectomy. But... Buddy aside, we had a very interesting pre-op experience that I just still don't even know how to wrap my head around this. Uh, But it was like a hallway with rooms with the curtains, kind of like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, those med shows like um, Chicago Med. Yes, that one. I've actually watched that. And so, right. So you can hear people. So most people are just being quiet, doing their own thing. It's not like you couldn't talk in a normal voice, but it was just to be mindful of the people around you. And so Buddy gets these meds to first start sedating him. And I'm like sitting there with my Starbucks and this man, and I had seen him be called back. So that's why I'll say like, I knew what he looked like because I heard him speaking and then heard him get called back. And then I hear him behind his curtain and this man had no filter. And I know way, way too much about this man. Oh, boy. And he starts going on. They're doing, you know, they have a pre-op questionnaire. And he starts telling stories about all the procedures he's had, all the meds he's been on. And I can't tell you how many times I heard him say the word balls. 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 I'll tell you a story about this med and it will make your ball shrink. Oh, boy. I'll tell you, I had this procedure once and my balls were so enlarged and I'm going, oh my goodness, I don't even know what to do. And luckily, I think, well, not luckily, but I think the person he was talking to was male because I don't know of, I can't imagine a male saying to a female, like, I'll tell you a story that'll make your ball shrink. Mm -hmm. It totally reminds me of Notting Hill because there's a line about that in there. Shrinking balls. Yeah. Reminds me of some of your OT stories from the hospital, though. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. That's but for any rate, mm-hmm. that's for another time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this guy continues on, and then he starts talking about how he, what sounds like he passed a stone of some sort, but he's giving me, he's giving, <laughs> I felt like I was right there with him. <laughs> like, just, oh, okay, keep going. <laughs> giving full-on details about what is happening in the toilet, how much blood is coming out. Then he's he's like, I didn't fish out that stone that time, but another one I went through and fished that out oh, of the good. toilet. Oh my God. gosh. Going into all of these details and I'm sitting here going, okay, buddy, it's okay. Mama's here. It's okay. Let's listen to Dave and Ava. I'm going to drink my coffee, but I don't really want to drink it. And the man just keeps going and going and then it quiets down and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, must be waiting. And he, again, I know way too much about this person, but then he starts talking about his diabetes 
And it turns out that he didn't take his insulin that morning because you're not supposed to take anything. And he didn't want to take his insulin because then he'd get nauseous because he couldn't eat. And so his blood sugar was too high and they couldn't do surgery. Thus balls. Lots more balls. Because then he starts talking about his ride. And he's like, well, my ride dropped me off at this side. And it was cold. It was like zero degrees that day. And... He's like, my ride dropped me off on the wrong side of the building. The door was closed. My balls were shrinking. I wanted to kick him in the balls. And I'm like, oh my gosh, do you have any other vocabulary? (laughs) And so then he's like, I don't have a ride. My ride's not coming back. And then he starts going in about how his best friend died. And he has to get out to the reservation in Oklahoma in order to go to the ceremony. And he's trying, and I'm like, what does this have to do with your surgery? I mean, like I said, I know a lot about this man and unfortunately his balls. (laughs) And so luckily, but he was too young and also drugged up enough that he didn't catch any of this but I walked out of there and I was I was like do I take a shower I just need something oh, like I feel no. I don't even understand and then I felt for the guy since he couldn't have surgery and that's really frustrating when you can't get your ride or whatever and then I was like wait a minute I'm getting too caught up in this man's life and I'm just waiting for my kid to come back from surgery but anyway there was lots of balls. That's so nice that you had so much compassion for this guy and that is a rough spot to be in right you think you're going to have surgery so you don't take your meds, but then not taking your meds means you talk about balls for five hours to anyone who will listen. But it sounds like that was quite an ordeal for everybody. And I can only imagine like as a parent to even have to go through things like CT scans and surgeries and setting that all up and waiting rooms and drugs and delirium and obfuscate, no, obligating... obligations. What is the word? Obligate nose. Obligates. Yeah. So it's just a lot. And so to all the, the parents and guardians out there who have had to do things similar to that, our hearts are with you because that's a big deal. I mean, I completely came home and he went down because of the oxycodone and didn't have the delirium, but I like just sobbed. I was like, I don't even know what is happening, but I just need to get all this out. Yeah. Well, that's quite a roller coaster of emotions from everything. Like you just try and hold everything in and be strong for your kid. And then of course, I'm sure it was so awful when he was inconsolable from the anesthesia and the effects of that. So anyway, that is all to say your story about balls, which I hope (laughs) in us saying balls 80 times that our, our rating doesn't, I don't even know if we have a rating or like a grade like PG or PG 13, but I hope the word balls doesn't sink us down into the dungeons. Yeah. No, give us a few extra stars on that one. Right. (laughs) I think I cussed, but we bleeped that out when I cussed in year one. Have you ever thought I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Cundell and everyone at my company, the sound off podcast network had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. So we took the kids skiing. Yeah, the three sisters and the nieces and nephew went on a ski trip, <laughs> ski trip. We like drove 45 <laughs> minutes into the mountain to, to a bunny hill, and, but we wanted to take the kids skiing for their first time. And so we did, and it was super awesome and super fun. And all three kids, it was our first time on whatever equipment, the oldest got on a snowboard, which was super stellar and she rocked it. And then I think that's her sport for sure. Mm-hmm. Then the youngest niece got on skis. And then of course, buddy was on skis and it was just so much stinking fun. And 
We'll get to the bunny hill stories in a minute. However, there was a lot of prep into getting everybody equipment and making sure that we had the rental places had all this stuff, that we had helmets and goggles and mittens and ski socks and everything that we need. And of course, we were trying on all our ski stuff because I don't remember the last time that I put my ski stuff on. It's been several years. Well, (laughs) I'll tell you, I put my ski jacket on and it was a little bit snug um, (laughs) because I haven't had to wear it or I haven't worn it in a few years. It's time to get a new one, but the stores don't have any winter gear out anymore. It's all swimsuits and that sucks. But at any rate, I was like, I don't know if I can stuff myself into the ski jacket, but when It's an adventure every time I bring that thing out from the closet because (laughs) there are always the cards or the lift tickets from whenever the last time I went skiing was stuck to my jacket in one of those plastic ringy things that they tie your (laughs) lift ticket on. Well, now there's cards. That's how long ago this was. This was like a plastic ring through my zipper and it was from 2017. And now they just give you a card. (laughs) They give you a card to put in your pocket so you could just scan yourself through. But anyway, so yeah, I took that jacket and gave it to the oldest niece so she could wear on her ski adventures because it's too snug. But anyway, I went with Alexandra and Buddy to go pick up their equipment and to get ski socks for Buddy. And the first store that we went to where we picked up the equipment, like I said, very sparse on any winter gear. And sadly, we're in March, right? We are in March. It's still ski season. In fact, they're quite a few months left if you really wanted to do the skiing or boarding or whatever it is you do. And so I was kind of dismayed at the fact that there was there were jackets left, there were no ski socks. So we had to go to another store. And the next store that we went to is called Dick's Sporting Goods. And we we parked this is store number two. We get everybody on and we get into the store and walking around. And it's a great sporting goods store representing a lot of sporting things, events, types, everything but skiing. And so it had a lot of clothes and equipment for everything else except for ski socks. And so I was like, this is kind of ridiculous. But we call back into the car, back into car seats, seatbelt ourselves back up. And we're like, we have one more store to go to and try and find ski socks and maybe a ski jacket for Anna because the other one's a little snug. And as we're driving away to store number three, I turned to Alexandra very seriously. And I said, remind me in the future that I do not like dicks. Okay. Very emphatically. Anna was so emphatic that I'm sitting in the car in traffic and I just start laughing and I look at her and I go, uh, okay. I mean, I always thought that you were still interested in men, but okay. Funny enough. It's like, it took me a couple seconds before I realized what had just come out of my mouth so emphatically. And then I, and she's looking at me and I'm looking at her and I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, Dick's sporting goods. Remind me that I don't like Dick's sporting goods. And then we had a good laugh about that on our way to REI where we found ski socks. We did. Mm -hmm. Toddler ski socks. Yes. Yay for REI. Yes. Anyway, I think is just hilarious. Oh my God. That whole thing reminded me of a joke. My friend's husband, not even, it's not a joke that he said, but we were talking about like dicks and sporting goods stores and everything. And my friend was like, did you ever notice how in Denver we have one sporting arena called Ball Arena and this other sporting arena that's called Dick's Arena? And I was like, oh my gosh. And he's like, yeah, balls and dicks, which is very appropriate for our story today. It is. And that's why I think um, we're called Menver. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah. Menver. 
Yeah, there's like this thing we got going on about men, mm-hmm. males, and anatomy, male anatomy. anatomy. Yes, which brings me to. I hope we're not offending you. I hope you're still listening. People. Yeah, just hand, just handle. Yeah. Hopefully, you hang can, in there. Hang yeah, in there. There you go. There, there it is. Um, I was gonna say, just bear with me with this mm-hmm. segue because. When Anna and I were talking about Menber, during this whole time with Buddy being sick on and off and trying to figure out this surgery, I decided to engage in a guilty pleasure. And we all have them. And mine was to watch Love is Blind. I'm so glad you segued into watching a show with your guilty pleasures. I know. Well, balls and dicks make me think of guilty pleasures and <laughs> love is blind. Of so course. why not? Naturally, that's yeah, naturally that's this go. is how everything works. No planning here <laughs> at all. But I will say, I, I think we talked about this last year. So uh, clearly I may be on season two <laughs> and have not learned my lesson after the first season that this really is not a show for me. But... Anna and I have talked about that we have been reading a book about body image. Yes. And so it was just very interesting after reading that book, which talks about how do we dismantle, how we compliment, how we view people to stop objectifying, how do we actually embrace people for who they really are, not what they look like. And then, of course, I engage in this show, Love is Blind. I'm Mm -hmm. giving it way too many prompts. Sponsors. Anyway. So there were a few things that I found really interesting and also sad about this show because Mm -hmm. the idea, the premise is that people come together and they haven't had success in dating and the idea is to have conversations, not know what someone looks like, which I just want to put a disclaimer. Anytime someone says they don't think that looks should be a part of the equation, I think that's just unnatural. Looks is part of it. That attraction is part of dating. Does it mean everything? Absolutely not. It's a portion of it. But I think to discount it doesn't make sense either. So anyway, so these people go and I will say all the women, they highlighted a few women and in the beginning, they have women of all different shapes of sizes. And then who do you think is highlighted like throughout the the actual show? Not all the shapes and sizes. No. Nope. It's all the the ladies that look a certain way. So Mm -hmm. they all fit. They're very similar builds, similar styles. And I was like, this is very interesting that this is. And the way they try and claim that they don't do that is to say that only the people who make connections and decide to get married on this show, because that's the whole premise that you meet someone or you talk to someone, you don't actually meet them. You decide you want to get married, then you meet, and then it's like four weeks until your wedding. So only certain types of people or certain looking types of people are ready to get married on this show. Or are successful, right? If you look a certain way, if you fit into a box that society says is going to make you beautiful and successful and be worthy of getting married, awesome. If you don't fit into what that looks like, then you're kind of screwed. Mm. And that's perpetuated by the show, even though I think they're trying. And it's Nick Lachey and Mm -hmm. his wife. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, which was interesting because in the reunion episode where they all come back together, she's spicy. What is her name? Anyway, I'm not thinking of her name, but I I really liked the relationship between Nick Lachey and his wife and and what they were saying. But what kind of mold do they fit? Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Anyway, what was really... (laughs) There are so many things that are really interesting. How many times could I say really interesting? There's one guy on the show. There was one couple that comes together and they're both of Indian descent and neither of them dates Indian 
people of Indian descent and then they decide that they're going to do this whole marriage thing. And once he sees her, he's like, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. And then as the show goes on, he's like telling the other guys, he's like, man, I'm just not attracted to her. She kind of reminds me of my aunt. What? I don't. Yeah. He's like, I don't know what to do. You know, it's just not there for me. It's just not there for me. Well, it turns out that that was the watered down version. Normally, I feel like when shows edit, they edit to increase the drama. Mm -hmm. But it turns out that even some of the crew were embarrassed by what this guy was saying. And so they edited out a lot of what he said. And the other contestants or participants went to her and said, don't go through with it with this guy. But it's one of those things like you've committed to the show. You said that you're going to. So now you need to kind of see it through. Mm -hmm. And then the whole point is that you get to your wedding day and then you can say yes or no to the person. And she said no. And she was like, I choose me today. I choose me. His response. Right. Let's celebrate her for saying like, I deserve someone Mm -hmm. who chooses me. You didn't and aren't. So I'm going to choose me. And no one likes this guy. It turns out they all think he's a total schmuck. And what is he's like, forget her. I didn't really like her anyway. So let's party. And he, you know, it's like blatant ego. Like you can totally tell the little boy in him is so hurt. And, you know, it's rejection and he's not taking it very well. And he's like, I didn't need her anyway. And mm-hmm. I'm so in love with her, but now I hate her. Right. <laughs> and that's exactly there was one other guy who was rejected. And um, well, who took it that way? Like some of the other people, some of the other guys had said no. But anyway, and he's same thing, like, whatever, I'm just going to go. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm hurt, but it's fine. I'll get over it. And like, let's just go party. Let's just go party. And it was very interesting to see the females would often be like, I don't know what he's going to say. Is he going to say yes? Is he? I don't even know. They were just so anxious and putting all of their worth into the guys, which is mm-hmm. exactly what our book talks about and what we have experienced ourselves. And so it was just interesting that here we are, another thing that claims to want to take that all apart, but is perpetuating the same idea. Right. It's shows like this. And I don't know, it's very sad, right? To hear the turning on a dime, but not shocking. It's a reality show, but it's shows like this that are sad. And I'm sad for the people that are on the show for whom it does not turn out well. But I'm also sad for you that you cannot get those minutes back from your life. (laughs) And maybe in the moment you're like, it's numbing, right? Because life is hard and we sometimes need something to numb out to. And I watch Columbo. So to each his own, like everyone has their thing. Shows like this also make me very sad because it makes my job as a school counselor that much more difficult. Oh yeah. Because I know my kids are watching things like this and thinking, that that's what they're supposed to be like, or this is how they get their worth. And I probably would have done the same thing when I was a preteen or a teenager and think that these are just amazing. And then look how pretty these people are. And, and look who gets to be on this show. You have to be this kind of person to be on this show and look this way. And then the opposite of those people, right? So the other shapes and sizes of people are just fodder for mockery. When you fit a certain mold, you get to be on shows like this or you you are deemed successful. And then if you don't fit that mold, you get to be treated differently or poorly or put down or not seen as successful. And I think that aligning with the book, those are the things that we're trying to kind of dismantle 
for ourselves as well as like every day when I go into work and I I know I'm talking to kids who have body image issues. I mean, they're 12 and 13. Who doesn't at 12 and 13? But yeah, just to try and promote love on the inside and you're perfect and you're perfectly imperfect and that and you're supposed to be and that's okay. Yeah. And I should say that the book that we're reading is called More Than a Body. And this one girl, and I think this is goes along with your point about the messaging that kids are getting. So this other woman, she ends up in this kind of love triangle and the guy chooses someone else. And instead of just being so in her worth to say, like, it's not on him. He's not the only person who's there for me. And it, obviously, if he's chosen someone else to honor that, she instead, she ends up saying yes to another guy. And then, of course, she's continuing on the show. So every chance that she can get, she's trying to put a wedge between them hmm. in order to say that she was a better choice for him. And it's just another example of low self-worth. Like you've got the guys who are like, party, whatever, I don't need you. And then you have the girls who are like, oh, if it's not him, then what does that say? And mm-hmm. and you and I, Anna and I have talked about this before, those ideas of like, if my relationship doesn't work out with this person, what does that mean about me? Nothing. It means your relationship didn't work Mm -hmm. and that there's someone else, there's a better opportunity. There's someone else that's going to be a better fit for you coming around the corner. It doesn't take away the pain that you have in a breakup or how hard that can be, but it just means another door is opening. And trust me, that's taken me many, many years to get to this point of being able to say that. But yeah. And that's a conversation I've had a number of times. I feel like January was breakup January in the school, because that was a conversation I had with multiple students who were going through breakups. Right. And you just think like, what's wrong with me that they don't like me and something must be wrong with me. And so I have to change something or, you know, I need to like fix something and then beg them to come back to me. And I had that exact conversation, which is right. Not necessarily something that sinks in when you're 12 or 13 or 11 or 14 or whatever, or 43. Um, (laughs) But sometimes it takes a little while to, because I think we all do that. We're all like, ah, something must be wrong with me or I must have done something mm-hmm. to cause this person to not want to be with me anymore. And, and yeah. instead of just going, no, there are a lot of different people out there. There's a lot of different types of chemistry, lots of different kinds of relationships. And with my kids, especially, I'm like, this is practice. Like I know very few people, like maybe two couples in my entire lifetime who met when they were in middle school and are still together to this day. The rest of us, like just try this pair on, doesn't fit, try that one on. And it's just all practice for what's to come. Yeah. I think you make a really good point that there's this idea that something must be wrong with me rather than something's wrong with the construct Mm -hmm. that we're given. So yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's just not a good fit dynamically or chemically or whatever, like for whatever reason it's just meant to be. But I want my kids to start thinking, okay, this one didn't work out, but I started to learn what I do like, what I don't like, how I do want to be treated, how I don't want to be treated. And so I'm going to use this as an opportunity for growth and learning. And I think that's really cool that you have an opportunity to teach or be another person who can teach these kids that they don't have to be treated poorly in order to be accepted, which Mm -hmm. is what middle school is, right? That's, it's all about acceptance and wanting to fit in. 
Anywho. Yeah. So I think it's really funny that you brought this show up because it we were just celebrating International Women's Day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Talk you about, about like, that one. trying to lift up women and our accomplishments. And that made me think that isn't there something and I don't remember exactly what it is, but I feel like I read somewhere you and I were talking about how there's like a shift in the universe. And I don't know if it's energetically, but something about that there's a shift where f- more feminine energy is going to be taking over where is and not necessarily like women are going to start ruling the world although that would be super awesome but there's just like a shift from masculine energy to feminine energy what what were we talking about yeah the age of aquarius (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, there we go okay yeah okay okay i'm there's two different ones that i've heard of and this is getting into my woo -woo stuff so one of them is that we're in the age of aquarius so that is a big shift in that respect and then also so in human design, they talk about another shift. And so this is more of a global societal perception of moving away from the masculine to the feminine. And that doesn't mean male to female. Right. It's the energy types. And I think we've kind of talked a little bit. Masculine energy tends to be more of the organized, the planned, the I keep lists kind of thing and very structured and the feminine energy tends to be more spontaneous, bringing out the creativity. Did I say spontaneous? Did I, I think I might've just said that. I don't know. Anyway, the feminine energy tends to be more of the flowy going with the flow and not as like rigid, the, not as rigid, that fun, airy kind of, but everybody has both. Oh, absolutely. Men and women have both. It's just about the balance of those. But this is shifting away from like the industrial revolution kind of set the tone for what we have in society right now, how we see capitalism, corporations, blah, blah, blah. And so this is shifting away from that. And so what we've known as like our banking system, our corporations, the way corporations are run and how the system in which they work, this is all shifting into a completely new, new age of Aquarius. <laughs> I want to burst out in a song, but I won't. I know. I was hoping you would. I know. I kind of want to, but I won't. (laughs) I'll save you all from that. With that being said, happy International Women's Day. I feel like we don't just need one day. We can celebrate us all the time. Every day. With that, let's do the Sean T. Wyman STW joke of the day. Are you ready for that? Yeah. Let's go from International Women's Day to jokes. Sean. Oh, (laughs) We can flip from any topic to Sean any time of the day, any time. I picked this joke very intentionally because as I mentioned just a few moments ago, I've decided to sink into Columbo and I watch Columbo on Peacock. And just to say, this isn't like a remake of Columbo. No, it's old school Columbo, mm-hmm. yeah. which I'm very fascinated by speaking of like all the feminine studying and reading and focusing on feminine energy or just women in general and history of how we have been treated or messaging. Watch a show from the 1970s. Or the 90s. I watched Liar Liar the other day and I was like, oh my Uh goodness. It's one of my faves, but also that would, a lot of the stuff would not be acceptable. That would not fly. Nope. Mm -mm. You cannot Mm -hmm. like paddle someone's jugs in an elevator anywhere (laughs) anymore. But anyway, my show Columbo, because it's on Peacock that aligns with our dicks and balls theme. That's right. Has commercials because I don't pay for premium. 
way. So I get commercials and I get commercials with Columbo. And a lot of the commercials lately have had to do with the new Fresh Prince of Bel-Air show. I don't know if you've seen it or heard about it. I've heard about it, but isn't it more serious and more of a drama? I think so. I think so. I don't know because I haven't watched it, but I'm certainly intrigued by it. And from what I've heard, people who do watch it say that they, they love it and within one or two episodes are hooked. Okay. Yeah. Well, and Will Smith is one of the executive producers, I believe. Yes. So with that in mind, here is today's STW joke of the day. How do you follow Will Smith in the snow? Uh, I I don't know. How do you follow him? She's sinking. Are you ready for this? You follow the Fresh Prince. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I was trying to think of all his movies. Like, (laughs) which movie is this? No, no. Anna clearly gave a very poignant hint there and I missed it. I was, she wasn't picking up what I was throwing down people. No, no, that's okay. With that being said, you guys, thanks for joining us for another episode. Absolutely. I hope you learned something today. And if you didn't learn something today, I hope you had fun or enjoyed something that you heard today. Well, it's, you know, dicks and balls are kind of fun. Yeah. I gotta go. With that, we love you. We hope you have. uh, Yeah, we'll chat with you next time. A great week. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Russian Sisters. For more, go to soundoff.network. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.